Just get right into the water, so warm, giving you a hug. Oh, and let's not forget the e-juice. We have to get the e-juice out, we just let it ooze out. Ooze, all the e-juices oozing out. Oh, get ready to, to breathe in the tub. So relaxing, it's probably the quietest place in your home. Oh, just breathe and relax. Oh, I think, I think I'll just get the, oh, oh I'll just get some rose petal spray. Oh, so lovely. You know that rose water petal spray. Just have to, just get our face a little more damp. Oh, smell that. Oh, oh, calms you right down, I tell you. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, we're getting ready. We're going on to the next chapter, the darlings. Oh, buy yourself the fucking lilies. Oh, we're ready for it. But before that, let's just put our head back and let the whole day just melt into the tub. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, oh. oh, that feels so good. Oh, oh, darlings, I was wondering, one thing I was thinking is, did anybody tell you how beautiful you were today? I mean, oh, they must have. How beautiful you look. Those darling, darling boyfriends and well, maybe some of you girlfriends, I'm not sure what we're doing these days, what we're calling ourselves, but did they tell you how wonderful you look tonight? Well, if they didn't, let me help. Oh, just let's relax into this song, oh, should we? If your boyfriend or your girlfriend didn't tell you how wonderful you looked today, well, let me be the first to tell you how wonderful you look tonight. Wonderful tonight. Oh. 
basically just doing the best right where you are right now. So the last line, well, she gives a Jay-Z quote. The only thing to stop me is me. And if you take that in, basically the only thing that's going to stop you from being the very best you can be is you. So as you relax right now, just take that in a little bit that uh, you, you can be everything. You can be a movie star. You can be a comedian. You can be anything you want to be. The only thing that's keeping you from being it is you. So be the very best at what you do right now. Start where you are, wherever you are, doesn't matter where you are, and be the best at the very worst that you can see. And people will notice, and you will make a difference in the world and in your life. So that's that chapter and that's just the synopsis of that but let's get on to the next one because i really want you in the next one to really soak this in as we're still in the bath here we're just soaking soaking um soak soak this in and um well there might be a few things you might want to write down so uh, my suggestion to you is maybe have a pen and pad next to you of some ideas of helping you move on and actually Make your life from negative to positive. Like people would say, take my life from negative to positive. I, I can't really do the um, the rap he does, but I'll get that down soon. Uh, I, I'll, get, I'll get to be the best at that soon enough. You'll see. So writing it down saved my life. Connect to your innermost self. By 25, I knew I was damaged but I wasn't totally sure how. Just what exactly was my problem? That shameful drunk dial to my therapist was just one of many not okay, are you even being a real fucking person right now? Way I had acted recently. Many days at work where I was kicking ass at my entry level job, I would find myself uncontrollably weeping in my cubicle. I would be in the middle of logging, standing up videos when I would feel tears well up from an inexplainable pit of sadness within me. I would look at my snotty, sobbing reflection in the computer monitor and think, what are you doing? The walls of my cubicle insulated me from outsiders just long enough for me to make my way to the personal call room and have a proper cry. These meltdowns followed me through the office and into the streets of Manhattan, where I often played the role of grid mysteriously crying on your stoop. I mean, girl, mysteriously crying on your stoop. I also played the part of girl encumbered by too many bags about to burst into tears because the train is slightly delayed. There is a long line to buy a sandwich or any little thing had just gone wrong. I was raw with feelings of extreme unease that manifested into a persistent, slightly dizzy feeling like I was living outside my body. Was I sick? I seemed to have a permanent headache that throbbed at the base of my cervical spine, then crawled up my neck, 
wrapped itself around my skull, and finally settled its claws into two painful points above my ears. I had no clue what to do about all of the tears, the sadness, the headaches, the physical and mental pain. I didn't understand any of it and where it was coming from. Growing up, fantasizing and creating new stories for myself had been my refuge from the anarchy of my life. From as early as I can remember, I would perform little plays and look for ways to act the part of someone else. When my parents would take me out on their date nights, I would quickly flee to other tables in order to play the role of adult friend to the diners around us. Eight years old and pulsating with tenacity, I would compliment, compliment all the women, telling them, you are very pretty. I would ask men, are you sexist, misogynist? Are you a pig? I had heard from my mom that this was a very big deal and I wanted to catch any sexist and misogynist in the midst. The adult couples would politely indulge me as I'd ask questions like, do you have enough sex? Or how do you keep your love life fresh? The grown-ups would usually burst into surprise laughter before giving me a very PG answer. Relationships are work, they'd say. And looking for my parents, they'd soon do. And as soon as I got home, I would write down all the stories I had heard from the adult world and then perform them in front of my mirror. I became so enamored with interrogating grown-ups and telling their stories that my mom briefly set up a cable access television show for me. It was called Girl Talk, and it was filmed in, in an exam room in her medical office. A pink construction paper mural covered in puffy paint designs of floral and hearts hit a gynecological exam chair. On the show, I would interview such luminaries as my mom's personal trainer, Kim, a bodybuilder with a short blonde ponytail and greased up day glow orange limbs. I would catch any patient in the hall and ask her, well actually demand that she be a guest on my very important, very popular, very funny TV show. A study number of people actually agreed. My mother canceled the show, however, not due to poor ratings, mind you, because we didn't have any ratings back then, but because she needed her exam room back. That's Hollywood, kiddo. With my show canceled, I began keeping my own journal. It was full of musings of child prodigy, Jane Belksy, Briley, is 11 out of 10 hot. I would marry Luke Perry, F. Jason Presley, and kill Ian Zering. Uh, duh. I'm scared to leave my room because my parents are screaming and I don't want to see them, but I also really want to get the fuck out of my room because mom said the world is full of rapists and murderers who want to kidnap me. And well, I think uh, one is plotting to break in through my bedroom window. How do I escape? Well, my journal was a safe place where I could be vulnerable and write down about how my world felt. Violent, tumultuous, confusing, and well, very dangerous. My diary was something I kept only for me and hidden my candy stockpile under my bed. One day, a family friend walked into my room as I was writing in it. She was a self-described Wiccan witch who once cursed my father, but I, for some reason, trusted her as the only normal adult I knew. Kind of shows you the lack of reasonable grown-ups I had to choose from, huh? What do you have there? She asked. I confessed that I was keeping a journal 
where I was tracking everything going wrong around me. My parents were just beginning their divorce and somehow, just by writing in this little purple and green paisley colored covered diary, I felt some relief. That's great, you're keeping a journal, honey. Can I see it? Uh, well, uh, the request felt a little odd, but so was everything that was going on in my house. I agreed. And as she skimmed through the pages, reading my secrets, my lies, my truths, my whole body throbbed with one thought. No, 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 it's mine, mine, it's mine, get away. She took my journal straight to my mother, who then told me she was going to enter it into my parents' divorce proceedings as evidence that I was a liar. Here my mother insisted was proof that I, a 12-year-old, was not a credible witness and that if I were to testify in the divorce, whatever I said should be discounted. My innermost feelings had been used to shame me, and I still feel a sharp pang of grief and betrayal when I think about this. After that incident, even though I had loved making my own stories, even though I had found a respite in journaling, I decided it was too dangerous for me and I stopped writing altogether. What if someone exposed my thoughts again? But after the night of my disgraceful 25th birthday, when I was attempting to pick up the pieces of my life, I went to drinks, good call, right? Kept drinking, oi, with my best friend, Isabel, to ask what she thought was wrong with me. She had been present for much of my recent out of control behavior, had been, my so been, been on my side on so many nights as I bawled over a glass of wine in various bar bars, and so I thought maybe she would have some insights into what was going awry. I'm not really sure you've never shared what's going on with you or your family. It's almost like you're hiding it. Duh, Isabel, I wanted to shout. Didn't she know it wasn't safe to share anything about my past? I just smiled at her and replied, yeah, it's boring to talk about old history, isn't it? Well, if you can talk to me about it, I think you should read The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. It's like a 12-step program toward recovering your innermost child. You do the exercise to uncover and heal your traumas and learn prayers towards a more abundant universe. Recovering your inner child, I scoffed. Prayers towards the universe? Does it come with Tibetan prayer beads and my own guru, guru too? I slightly added. I mean, yeah, it's a little cheesy, but wouldn't you rather be a little cheesy than crying and not sleeping and just feeling like shit all the time? Well, I reluctantly bought and then flipped through the pages of The Artist's Way, and among the exercises, I came upon a tool for creatively called The Morning Pages. Every morning before you even have time to think, before you hit your Instagram, before you check out how many likes your photo of a perfectly carved pumpkin has received on Facebook, you word vomit your thoughts on the three pages of papers. That's all, just three pages. Every morning, three pages. Single space, you simply scribble down whatever flows out of your mind, whatever flows out of you, without editing anything, without thinking, without even worrying. This seems similar to journaling and therefore off limits, dumb, dangerous to me, but it wasn't journaling. It was the morning pages. It was a huge difference. 
The book explained how this practice was a way to get in touch with your core feelings by forcing you in writing to become aware and engaged with your innermost self. My first thought was, who has the time for that? Every day to write three pages? Are you kidding me? It seemed like a pretty overwhelming burden, but again, I was at a point in my life where on a good day, I was openly sobbing on the subway. Okay, I would try it, but I would keep the notebook hidden away in my nightstand under magazines and my television remote control. No one would find it there. I was sure. Okay, so in the beginning, my morning pages were unbearably boring. They mostly listed complaints. Why can't you get up half an hour earlier? If only you woke up at 8.30, then you wouldn't be rushing to do these stupid pages before work. Or I listed errands I had to run. You must buy toilet paper instead of using paper towels from the kitchen. You deserve toilet paper. As I continued to write, however, sharp fears began to emerge. You will fail. You have no good ideas. You aren't professionally successful yet. You never will be. It was as if some force within me was moving my pen across the page, exposing worries I hadn't yet been aware of. You will never find someone who loves you and you will never, you will always be alone. You'll be alone forever. You don't deserve love. Yikes. I hadn't been writing in my journal for more than a week and I had already confronted with these deep-seated, inescapable dreads of that neglectful little girl at my core. The one who grew up in a house where things came to die. The one who was never comforted or taught how to take care of herself. And as I wrote, it felt like I was receiving DMs from my soul. Secret, semi-secret messages from my most vulnerable center, nudging me toward the places I needed to heal. This was my little survivor voice a soft cry from deep within me, someone who knew exactly where I needed to comfort from, where I needed to comfort myself. I thought it was going to be difficult to unpack all of my trauma, but here it was. Here it was where all of my scariest thoughts, top of mind and easy to excavate words were. One morning, totally unexpectedly, I wrote about my childhood dog, Gaia, whom I had consciously thought about, I hadn't actually consciously thought about in years. She was a black standard poodle, almost the size of a small pony. Gaia was smart, she was kind. Her fur was cut into poof balls at her paws and a tail that I would run my fingers through, wondering how a dog could have hair like spun silk. At the age of 11, I thought she was the height of sophistication and elegance. My parents had fought viciously about buying her. Carol, you'll never take care of a dog. You barely take care of yourself, my dad had screamed. Fuck you, Richard. I can buy a dog if I want to, my mom had shot back at in her usual chill manner. My mom brought home our dog without my dad's approval and introduced my sister and me to Gaia. Since my mom had bought Gaia just before the divorce, the dog, like Diana and me, were predictably, sadly, unforgivably forsaken. One day she ran away and rather than look for her, my parents just shrugged their shoulders and said, it wasn't worth the search. I remember thinking, 
if I were going to be missing, would anyone look for me? Would I be worth the search? I canvassed the neighborhood with my babysitter, knocking on doors and asking if anyone had seen Gaia. When we reached Miss Miller's house, I peeked in her front window and saw my dog running to the front door to say hello. Yeah, we had found Gaia and could bring her home. Mrs. Miller, however, had other plans. You don't deserve this dog. Your family doesn't take care of her. So I will, she simply explained. I had no recourse, no adult who could intervene to save the dog. So I just left her there. For years, when I was asked if I ever had a dog growing up, I deflected and I joked about how mine had been kidnapped when I was young. But as I wrote about it in my journal, I found that this wasn't some hilarious detail from my old childhood. It was something that deeply bothered me. I had never mourned the loss of Gaia, so in my notebook, I let myself admit that it was still upsetting me. I wrote about how scary and disoriented it was that at the time, no adult had stepped in to help me. With my pen, I touched the sadness, the anger of my 11-year-old self, the self that was confused, already heartbroken from life, scared, and probably wearing an ill-advised crop top. You know those darlings. Since Gaia, I had developed a fear of dogs in general, and I never felt like I could talk to anyone about this. It almost seemed like a sin not to love dogs today. Since I was expressing all of this on paper, however, I risked nobody's judgment. I just let it flow. I let myself get curious about why this was coming up for me now. Did I feel jealous of Gaia in some way? That she had made it out of our loving home? Or could this be why I had developed a fear of dogs? Because I was too afraid that if I ever loved the dog again, I would lose it. I decided I would try to make a play date with a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel that belonged to a friend of mine. For some reason, that dog didn't scare me and I felt like that might be a good baby step for me. It felt so good to finally deal with that fear, get it out of my head and get it on paper. No longer was there some issue stewing in the back of my mind. I could deal with it because I was aware of it. I'm telling you, there is nothing so awful that you can't confront if it's written in a notebook with a golden spine and a peony decorated front cover. Inspired by Tara Brock's meditation, the R-A-I-N, the reign of self-compassion, I built a tool just for you to effectively excavate your past wounds in a way that isn't totally draining and soul crushing and why, oh, why am I even doing this to myself way? Here it is. One, admit the thought or feeling you're having, no matter how dark, how petty, or how seemingly insignificant. Permit the feeling or thought to exist, even if it's something as small as an ex reached out today and it made me feel uncomfortable thinking about all the what ifs or as large as it's always bothered me that my dad isn't much of a hugger 
I haven't ever really talked about this, but I always wanted to be held. Two, touch all of the feels associated with that thought. This is the time to vent your heart's content. For example, it's not fair that my ex reached out to me today after promising he would give me some distance. Was the douchebag really trying to wish me well? He just sucks. I'm still furious about how he broke up with me. Or maybe it's, I wish I had been hugged. I still feel sad that I wasn't. I feel angry too. Parents should hug their kids. Give in how you actually feel. Don't resist or deny your feelings. Allow them to exist. Resistance adds kerosene to our flaming emotions. Pause and put your butane down. Three, get curious. Get curious about why this is even coming up for you now. Maybe I'm feeling heightened emotions because my BFF Sarah is moving in with her boyfriend. I'm happy for her, but I feel a little hollow space inside me when I think about how in love they seem to be, how they laugh so much, and how not in love I am right now. Or maybe it's, I realize I'm having trouble being intimate altogether and wonder if it has something to do with my childhood. Keep questioning yourself. Keep questioning yourself. Sometimes it can take a while to get answers. Be curious. But know you are getting into the practice of becoming self-aware of yourself. You have to know the wound to heal the wound. You can't avoid it. Any easy question that always works, though you might have to ask it a few times, is, well, why am I feeling this way? Write it down. Be curious. Four, commit to a healing action. A real one. It doesn't have to be big. If your ex reached out to you and it's upsetting you, well, maybe you get out, you get to put on your favorite moisturizing Sephora face mask today while you remind yourself that he's the kind of guy who likes to steer shit up. That's just who he is. Maybe you take yourself on a romantic date at the new hip place downtown where there's just great seating. If your dad didn't hug you and it's bothering you right now, maybe it's time to get a massage. Maybe you take a bath. Or maybe you asked your BFF for a big old hug because you need it now. Five, finish your emotional mining with this affirmation. I am lucky to deal with this issue now instead of letting it fester. The shimmering platinum lining is and then fill in why it's a good thing, a great thing, a fucking miracle that you are dealing with this right now. You're dealing with it. That which you do not deal with, love, starts to deal with you. It always does. So deal with it. It's never too late. In addition to working out your past trauma, both small and big, large and small, I found that journaling can give you physical relief and peace. I know this because I don't want to write in the morning. 
I feel tense and can be savage and mean. I become the bitch to in the line at Starbucks or at Pete's who is taunting my daughter who is sneering and rolling her eyes while you take too long to order your fucking drink. It's fucking Starbucks. It's Pete's. How do you know what you want to order? When you journal, you don't have to carry your fears and anxieties with you all day. And inadvertently, you get to release them on innocent bystanders. So thank you. Thank God. Write your journal. Keeping a diary is not only a way to deal with your issues, however, it's also a practice that makes space for your dreams at night and makes space for your wishes. Stay with me, dearest reader. This won't be that cheesy. Somewhere along the way, I had given up on the idea that I could be a remarkable, joyous person with a remarkable, joyous life. I was stuck in the rat race, mindset cluttered with anxiety thoughts like, you are a failure on all levels and you will never find a romantic love. And well, how are you and why are you so lazy that you haven't even picked up your fucking dry cleaning or done your laundry in three weeks? Those thoughts took up almost all of my mental space. Those thoughts took up all of my mental space. But by putting my worries on the page now, by putting my worries in a journal, now I had room for my dreams, a place to pay attention to them. Maybe I could work with great artists, I wrote one day. In my fantasy career, I would be writing and creating. Is there a job where I could be Tina Fey? Well, you know, not her, but you get it, I wrote in my journal. In my ideal life, I'm living in Los Angeles with a home office and desk that looks right over my own backyard. I wanted to move to LA and have a yard. Since when? Until I started journaling, I didn't realize that I had put down, I, I, I had just stored away such such thoughts. I, I didn't realize I had put such a low ceiling on what I thought my life could be. The daily writing gave me a broom to poke and lift up the roof I had built over my mind. Journaling gets you in touch with what I like to call your Oprah mind, a mind that is expansive, abundant, and full of possibility. Your Oprah mind will win an Oscar it will write a book. It will write 10 books. It will make the ballsy move of ending a hugely successful TV show to start a TV network if it damn well pleases. This mind is as boundless as the night sky. Do you think Oprah spends all day consumed by her worries? Really? Well, hell no. She has an empire to run and new ventures to imagine and put into action. She dreams and she thinks and she thinks big. And that's what I want for both you and me, to think big. I don't often look back at what I've written, actually, but when I do, it's become easier to see my patterns. 
if I complain in writing for six months that I want to get up earlier in the morning, but I'm feeling like a failure in doing so, then I know it's time to find a solution. What about banning all the screens after 9.30 at night and placing my phone on the opposite side of my bedroom so I'm not tempted to stay up late scrolling through my Instagram or my Snapchat? If, if I read that I have felt lonely in that company of my boyfriend for the past year, then I am oh so sorry, but it's probably time for that relationship to end. I can trick myself into thinking it's working. It's harder to believe my convenient lies when I see the truth written down over and over and over again. A journal is not a place to record the daily events of your life. It's not a place to describe the sushi you had for dinner last night. Although if it's really good sushi, go ahead and do that. It's a place where you get in touch with your core, with what you believe. Some of, us have, some of us have just very limiting beliefs, but are totally unaware that we've set such a low bar for ourselves. Journaling is the best gift you could give yourself. It's the best gift that gives us a chance to uncover what is true. Because a belief and the truth are two very different things. You might believe you are not capable of having your biggest, glitteriest dreams become reality. But... I know that's not the truth. The truth is that you can heal your past traumas. You can build the life you really want for yourself, but you're going to have to do the work to do it. The work here begins by writing it down and exploring what bothers you, what you dream about, and what you will know now see as your truth. Out of your head and onto the page, you have a chance to tackle your worries, to give voice to your dreams, to see if there are patterns holding you back. You might have been born into a set of circumstances where, that were actually less than ideal. You might be currently living in circumstances that are a hell of a lot less than ideal, but only you can decide if those things define who you are. Is it time to change your story? Have you always let negative people suck you dry of your energy as you tried in vain to bolster them? Are you tired of that yet? Have you always felt embarrassed that you didn't come from, quote, a good family? Maybe it's time to question if telling yourself that story is actually doing anything for you. What about instead, yeah, I might not have come from a perfect home, but really, who even does? And I'm grateful for almost everything I've learned on this path. I have the chance to build my own family. If there's something about yourself that you want to change, then the first step is to identify it and then write it down on how your story might play out differently. Get into writing. Get into writing your journal because, well, I love you very much, but I'm sorry to say that we don't magically grow into new people. We have to work on it. One of my favorite quotes in the entire world is from Nora Ephron. In her commencement address to Wellesley College back in 1996, which I highly re recommend you watch on YouTube immediately, that is Nora Ephron, 
Wellesley College Class of 1996 commencement speech, she urged the graduates to, quote, above all, be the heroine of your life, not the victim. There is no better place to live those words than in your personal journal. You have the ability, the ability to literally, literally write your own story, to slay your worries, to unbridle your dreams. You can be the version of yourself who floats your own boat, who floats above the pretty, the pretty petty annoyances of life and looks back down on earth with clear, peaceful perspective. You can't control the narrative of the outside world, but you can control the story you are telling yourself in your journal. I suggest you make it a good story, a really good story, and you start now. Okay, here's a list of ways of you not avoiding journaling in the morning. You can't avoid it, and I know all the excuses, so here goes. One, if you are avoiding, if you are avoiding writing because you have a new person sleeping over at your place, get the fuck out of bed, grab your notebook, and go into the kitchen. Make yourself a cup of coffee, a cup of tea, and write while you're making your coffee. Three pages of single-spaced writing takes about 20 minutes, only 20 fucking minutes of your day. When you return, you have two coffees in your hand. They will be none the wiser because they've slept, and you will be so impressive that you were so thoughtful that you brought a cup of coffee to bed. Go you. Two, if you are avoiding writing in your journal because you are sleeping over at a new person's place, that is just plain stupid. Sorry, but it just is. Tell them you have Pilates, spinning, or a brunch with your sister and get to your fucking notebook. Or bring it with you and tell the person the truth. You are a goddamn adult with a goddamn ritual. You can do this. If the person is weirded out by any of this, well, all I can say, darling, is you say, next. Three. If you are avoiding journaling because, quote, you just don't have the time, well, fucking none of us have the time. Beyonce has no time. She has three children, but still manages to be Beyonce. You can find the fucking time. Set your alarm to work up 10 minutes earlier tomorrow. Try to do that for the rest of the week. The next week, set it up for 20 minutes earlier. Start small. You can do it. I know you can do this. I forced myself 10 minutes at a time to carve out an hour of alone time in the morning. It took me months, mind you, months, maybe more like a year, if I'm really being honest, to make it stick. But now I have an hour to journal. I light a candle, I hang out, and I daydream every morning. It's fantastic. It gives me something to look forward to when my alarm goes off. Four, if you are avoiding journaling because it's dumb or it's self-centered or because only broken narcissist people keep journals, let me tell you this. Mark Twain kept the journal. Frida Kahlo kept the journal. She kept the 
part of full of illustrations and her thoughts. Charlotte Bronte kept a diary and Leonardo da Vinci kept around 50 notebooks. Ida B. Wells crusaded for civil rights in America and still find time to keep a fucking diary. Albert Einstein's, Madame Curie, Susan Sontag, they all keep journals. Do you think you're above Mark Twain, Frida Kahlo, Charlotte Bronte, and Leonardo da Vinci, Ida B. Wells, Albert Einstein's, Marie, Madame Curie, and Susan Sontag? No? Then get to writing. Write your fucking journal. Five, if you are avoiding journaling because you think you will fail and it seems hard and you would rather not start something you might mess up, know this. It's okay to fail. I write my pages most mornings, but I skipped them yesterday because of item two above, sleeping over someone else's house. I forgot my to bring my fucking journal with me. And when the boy offered to take me to breakfast, well, yeah, I caved and went with him. And you know what? That's fine. I did feel a little uneasy for the rest of the day, but I understood why. When I opened my nightstand this morning and saw my new journal, light blue and with navy ribbons, I felt a deep rush of happiness. My notebook waits for me. Okay, and while you're at it and getting that journal and getting over your excuses, just get yourself a fucking journal and start writing. These writing prompts help to start my inner direct messaging. Sometimes getting starting journaling seems really daunting. Where does one even begin? You begin exactly where you are, darling, exactly where you are. Here are some prompts, though, if you need them as a jump, as jumper cables, you know what those are for your writing. So let's go. One, you can start with today. Here is what I feel in my heart. Keep writing until you've emptied all of the things you are currently feeling in that heart of yours. Today, here is what I feel in my heart. Get to it. Two. Today, here are 10 things I like about myself. Oh, this might be a hard one, but you can do it. If this is incredibly difficult to do, you still, still must do it. You must complete the list. You must complete 10 things. When you complete it, please send it to me. I know how hard it is to write down what you actually value about yourself. And I'm so, so proud of you. So happy, so excited to write what you wrote and I will treasure it. So get writing. Three, today I am grateful for this very small thing that happened to me yesterday. Let it be something slight, but nice. Do you see, did you see some great flowers yesterday? Did someone from your past email you to say hi? Appreciate a little, little thing. If you can't think of anything, your homework is to find just one little thing to relish later today. 
Yes, I just assigned you homework. Deal with it. Four. You could write, dearest journal, I have a question. I have been mulling over in my brain for years and I thought you might have the answer. You could start there. Write down just the question you have today and then tomorrow be prepared to be amazed when you can answer it more easily. Your journal, i.e. your innermost self, might have answers you just don't have right now. Five. You write, here is what I want people to say about me when I'm not around. Think about it. What are people going to say about you when you're not around? Write it down. How do you want to be known and perceived? This is a useful tool for uncovering the kind of person you are working towards being. What accomplishments would they say you've done? What characteristics do they absolutely love about you? Write it down. Six, if nothing else mattered, not money, not other people's expectations, not kids, not jobs, nothing, nothing else mattered, my dream day would look like what? What would your dream day look like? Be super specific. You know how important that is. What do you do in your dream day? Do you eat a chocolate croissant, chocolate pie, while you're looking over the Sien River? Do you run a business where you've hired all your friends and you sit at the head of a reclaimed wood boardroom table? Visualize every aspect of that day because that is the day you are working towards. You are working towards your dream day. I wonder, are there little elements of it you can achieve right now? Go get your croissant. Tell them to add it to your tab. Seven. Today, I set an intention to act with blank. Today, I set an intention to act with blank. Write out how you will carry yourself today. Do you want to work on focusing on one task at a time? Do you feel like you've been a little mean to your roommate, to your mother lately? Why can't she just fucking load the dishwasher herself correctly? Is she trying to drive me crazy, that mother of mine? And so you might want to act with more affection. Oh my God, stop it. Stop it. Stop. Who cares about the dirty dishes? She's your best friend. She's your BFF. She deserves kindness, not being so nitpicky. Check in with yourself throughout the day and see how it's worked out for you. Maybe just by being a little less mean to your roommate, a little less mean to your mommy, telling her that she loves you. Well, write it down and then, well, act on it love and see where that goes for the day. Eight. There is something I've always, always wanted to deal with, but I haven't for some reason. Here it is and here it goes. It's amazing to write that down. It's amazing. But most of the time we actually know 
We actually know what we need most to tackle, but we can't. We just need to commit to it, write it down, and start there. Just start there. Write it down. And if you find yourself writing, I don't have a boyfriend, I don't have a job I want, I don't have a flat stomach, write instead about what you do have. I have awesome friends. I have a candle in my bath that makes me so happy. It's a marshmallow candle. I have money in the bank. I am working. I have money coming in. I have food on the table. I am eating. It will make you feel better and reframe your perspective to notice what you actually do have. What actually do you have? Every single fucking time you get into an indulgence of self-pity of what you don't have. Indulge in what you do have. Just fucking write it down. I love you, darlings. Until next time, have a wonderful evening. Relax. And write in your fucking journal. Get your journal. No excuse. I love you. Good night.